What's up, everybody? You're listening to KSWHLP 102.5 FM, The Pulse, here in Arkadelphia. You're listening to Overtime Takes. I'm your host, Jonathan Smith. So last night was Game 3 of the Lakers and Heat Series. I gotta admit, I was wrong. The Lakers took a 3-1 lead, and I had the Heat winning in 6. You know, I'm not gonna be one of those guys who's like, well, Goron got hurt. You know, I mean, look, like, they lost. Um, or they're going to lose probably in 5. It looks like, you know, LeBron's going to, LeBron and AD are both going to finish them off together. So, man, it was, there was some hope there in the first half. You know, Miami, really the whole game, like, it was a great, game four was really good. Teams are going back and forth. You know, I think the Lakers' biggest lead at one point was only seven. I believe that was the biggest lead of the game before the, before the end it ended up coming around. But, man, it was, it was a great game. Really enjoyed watching it. You know, like, LeBron and AD both played well. LeBron kind of floated in the first half. AD floated the whole game, and they both still put up really good numbers. It's it's pretty pretty absurd what they ended up doing. So LeBron had like eight points in the first quarter quarter first quarter excuse me first half. Eight points to to finish the first half, like five turnovers, like four assists. Like just didn't look very good. You can tell he he didn't look fully engaged. And then the the second half came around, and he took over. You know he did what. We've been wanting him to do his whole career, right? And actually, hold up. He did what he did what we wanted him to do at the start of his career, right? I think that it's fair to say he didn't. You know, you know, year four, year five in the league, he wouldn't have taken over the way that he did um, in the second half of this last game. So he ended up scoring twenty in the second half, and he really cut down cut down on the turnovers. He only had like one or two, so he really stepped it up in the second half. And man, and man, the the Lakers supporting cast was just they they were so good. Like that's that's why they won. You know, the Lakers bench outscored the Heat bench twenty seven to thirteen. Plus KCP had fifteen, which is just crazy, right? And you know KCP's played really well, especially here in the finals. Like he shot, he shot the ball so well. You know when he's hitting those shots, the Lakers are near impossible to beat. That was kind of the knock on the Lakers coming in is, you know, like their supporting cast isn't very good. You know, I just the, the depth of Miami is going to, you know, kind of take over, yada, yada, yada. And then KCP was like, no, I'm going to hit the second. I'm going to hit the second most number of threes in the playoffs in Laker franchise history behind the one and only Kobe Bryant. Yeah, so like KCP really deserves a lot of credit. Like he's played so well, especially in the finals. Like he's just, he shot so well. Like he was like three of six last night. On open threes. Meanwhile, the less the rest of the Lakers were four fourteen. You know, so like that's that's big. You know, Kuzma played well last night. Danny Green shot the ball well last night. You know, so on and so forth. And it's just, you know, so I've I've got to tip my cap to the Lakers supporting cast because they played really well. Now Miami didn't play bad. You know, they're they're really missing Dragic. You know, he's you know he was their leading scorer coming in. You know, it's you know it happens. You know, injuries happen. You you got to find a way to, to to figure it out and and overcome that. You know, the, he just haven't really been able to do that. I will say though, they man, what what an audition though. Hey, I love Jimmy Butler, but let's be honest. If he was their two and not their one, they'd be in better shape to compete with teams like like the Lakers, who have two dominant guys as their one and their two. So I mean, you know. Obviously, you know, it doesn't look like Giannis wants to leave Milwaukee. But, you know, there's going to be some free agent out there who's who's watching this and they're like, man, 
Miami would be a great place to play. Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, great city, no no state income tax, so I, I get to keep a lot of my money. You know, they've got cap space so they can afford to pay one of these guys. So, I mean, Miami's put on a great audition. They're going to go get somebody, and they're, they'll start making more runs at, at, at the title, which is good. Like I think basketball's better when Miami's good, you know, with Dw- guys like Dwayne Wade coming out of there and – so, yeah, I, th- I think it's good for basketball when they're good, and it looks like they're going to be good for a while. So, And then, you know, it felt like AD disappeared, and then, like, you look at his stat line, and it's like, oh, he had 22-9 and nine with four blocks, but that's really misleading because AD's really good. He just kind of floated the whole game, and there's just kind of been this question of, like, what does AD have to do to win the finals MVP? And I don't think he's done enough. Like, LeBron's been so good, and his name's LeBron. So they're probably going to end up giving it to LeBron. So he'll have four championships and ten tries with four finals MVPs. So, you know, we're, we're going to hear a lot of GOAT discussion. You're, you're going to hear it from me at when, when the final series is over. You, I just have to have some time to, to gather my s- statistics to, to defend my position. So I'm looking forward to doing that. we got a great show co- coming for you today. It's football the rest of the way. Like, we're talking a lot of college football, a lot of NFL. Like, you all know how much I love my NFL. we got bets of the week. we got our top ten NFL football teams coming up. We've got the marquee matchups on Saturday for college football. It's going to be a great show. I'm looking forward to it. I was up late last night preparing for it. So it's it's going to be a good show. I'm, I'm excited for it. Hopefully you guys are as well. So this is Overtime Takes on KSWH LP 102.5 FM, The Pulse, here in Arkadelphia. And we're back with more overtime takes here on KSWH LP 102.5 FM, The Pulse here in Arkadelphia. I'm your host, Jonathan Smith. We're here on overtime takes. Moving on to our college football section of the show. And there's a lot of college football going on this weekend. Like, there's several good games that I I think I've got five here that we're kind of going to look at. More than five. We've got several, which is good. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to talk about all this. I think it's going to be a really good segment. And, yeah, so we're going to kick it off with the Red River rivalry. Texas is playing Oklahoma. Oklahoma's a two-point favorite. Oklahoma isn't ranked, which makes me really happy. I'll be honest. <laughs> I won't lie. I, I I like the fact that Oklahoma's not ranked and Texas is, a, is ranked number 22 in the country somehow. Neither one of them have looked very good this year. So Oklahoma is a two-point favorite, and you know I, I get this question a lot. I always, I'm always asked, Jonathan, like, why do you, why do you talk about the, like the the Vegas money line and and things like that, and why do you talk about who's the favorite? And I think that it's important, right? Because so Vegas is always always trying to tell you something, right? So most people, not all people, but most people, if they're gonna go and buy a new fridge. Okay, they're not just going to show up to Best Buy and be like, "Yeah, that one looks good," you know. Like they're 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 not going to do that. You know, they're going to research like like what are the reviews on this? Um, is this the best bang for my buck? How does this one work? What cool features does this one have? Do I need that cool feature? Do I not? Right. And I think that when it comes to gambling and and putting your money on things, I think people do the same thing, right? Like I'm sure like there are people who took you know 30 minutes to to an hour to sit down and be like all right i want to bet this game here's kind of what oklahoma's done this year here's what texas has done here's the history of lincoln riley against tom herman here's this and like they're they're looking at all these different things so that they know where to place their money right so like that's why i like to look at the vegas lines just because 
they're, they're, it tells us something, right? Like, and plus, it's the opinion of thousands of people who are putting money on games. So, yeah, that's that's why I do it. For those of y'all who are curious, I know I've, I've been asked that a few times. So, anyway, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma is a two point favorite. I'm going to take Texas to win outright. So, if you do want to gamble these games and you want my opinion, then yeah, I like Texas to win outright. You know, Spencer Rattler this year has really shown his youth. You know, he showed it against Kansas State. He showed it last week against Iowa State. You can tell he's the kid is so talented. Okay, like he is so talented. And give him, I think after this year, his junior year, he's going to be really good. It's just, you know, he's young right now. And, you know, um, spring camp was kind of cut short because of COVID and everything. And, you know, it makes it tougher to learn the offense. It makes it tougher to learn defenses because, you know, that's something that really jumps, right? I think, you know, high school offenses have become more sophisticated, whereas defenses have kind of not stayed the same, but they're certainly not as sophisticated as, as college defenses are, right? So I, I like I like Texas just because I think Spencer Rattler is going to show his youth again because, like, this is only, what, his his fourth college football game that he's, that he's going to play in, you know, and he's 20 years old, just still kind of trying to figure it out. And, like, it's okay, like – Every quarterback has has their growing pains, right? Like we don't expect rookie quarterbacks to come in and, and win the MVP. You know, that's that'd be absurd if you if you expected that. And I think it's you know the same thing with college football, especially within this COVID year where things have just been so crazy. So I like Texas with Sam Ellinger, you know, senior quarterback who's played in this game before. He's more mature. He's he's played in the rivalry before. Like this is this is the biggest game Spencer Rattler's played in maybe ever. Just because it is, you know, Texas and Oklahoma, right? And it matters so much to the fan base, and there's extra pressure because it's a rivalry game. It's like, like, like you go to Oklahoma partially to play Texas in the Red River rivalry game, that and to compete for national championships. Like, those are definitely, you know, the two biggest things when you go and play for Oklahoma, right? And so this game is going to be high scoring. I don't know what the over-under is. I think it was like 54, something like that. I take the over. Like, these are two Big 12 teams. And so there won't be much defense played. That, you know, and Tom Herman and Lincoln Riley are two of the best coaches, especially – they're two of the best offensive coaches in college football, right? So they've they both got great schemes. They both have good quarterbacks. They, they So they're both – like they're going to put up points. It's going to be – you know, if you like offense, this is the game to watch, especially since there's no Pac-12 at night anymore this year, at least not for a while. So, like, this is going to be a lot – this is going to be fun to watch, high-scoring game. I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I like Texas to win. I didn't put a score down, so we'll, we'll come up with one. We'll go um, Texas wins 54-48. to 48. Let's go with that. Texas wins 54-48 to 48 over Oklahoma. I think it's going to be a really good game. Definitely a game that I plan on watching. So next game on the list, number four Florida taking on number 21 Texas A&M. That should be number three Florida. Excuse me. So – yeah, so Florida's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I think they should be favored by more, I'll be honest. I really like Florida. You know, Florida is probably going to win the SEC East. You know, they, They've been my pick all year, and they've they've delivered. So they're, they're going to outscore everybody they play, except for Georgia and Alabama, because those two teams probably have the two best defenses in the country, especially Georgia. Georgia's defense is so good. I love watching them. I love watching that defense play. So I think, you know, Texas A&M is finally going to put up some points. You know, they put up 24 last week against Alabama. They looked better, but they're playing Alabama. So that's why they only put up 24, right? 
Whereas, you know, week one, they only put up 17 against Vanderbilt. So I, I like I like Texas A&M to kind of put up some points to kind of be in the game for the first half. But I think second half, Kyle Trask and that offense is really going to pull ahead. Dan Mullins, one of the best coaches in football. He doesn't get enough credit. And man, I'm like Mark Jackson out here handing out, handing out all this credit. But <laughs> and um, so yeah, I, I like I like Anum to kind of put up points. I think they'll hang with him in the first half, and then Kellen Mond will throw a couple picks because let's be honest, he's not the best decision maker. Which I don't like. Texas A&M has had all these great recruiting classes, and you want to sit here and tell me that Kellen Mond is the best quarterback on your roster? Like I know he's older. I know it's a COVID year, but the guy just he's he's above average like and you know you've had all these great recruiting classes I know you've got a quarterback in there somewhere who can play you know like I just think it's time to kind of say goodbye to Kellen Mond especially if they lose this game because I mean who else they're not playing Georgia this year they already played Alabama so the defenses you're going to see from here on out aren't going to be great they're going to be maybe they'll, they'll be pretty good at best so I think you can kind of cut the cord on Kellen Mond and like, let's get somebody else in there you know who can do more and not throw dumb interceptions. So I, I like I like Florida. I don't think this game is going to be very – I think it, it'll be close in the first half. Florida pulls away in the second. I think Florida wins. Let's go 44-34. Yeah, that'll work. 44-34, Florida wins. So, yeah. Next game, be honest, I don't know much about this game, but it is a top 25 matchup. But it's in the ACC. And, like, let's be honest. Nobody watches the ACC unless you're watching Clemson play. So we got number 19, Virginia Tech, taking on number 8, North Carolina. North Carolina's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I watched them play against Syracuse in week one, and, man, they look good. Like, Mac Brown's a really good head coach. You know, he's back. He's doing a really good job. Neither team's really been tested, though. You know, like, I think North Carolina's toughest games, like Syracuse, Virginia Tech, hadn't played anybody either. So... I'm going to take North Carolina. And if you watched UNC play last week, you're going to be like, Jonathan, why? They beat Boston College by five. And I hear you. But they had a three-week layoff between their first between you know the Syracuse game and their Boston College game. So obviously you're going to come out rusty. You know, whereas this week, you know, they've only had a week off. It's a little bit more of a normal week. So I, I like them to beat Virginia Tech, even though Virginia Tech's offense is averaging over 40 points a game. But then again, they haven't really played anybody. You know, North Carolina's defenses look pretty good from what I've seen. So I, I like North Carolina to win this game. And like I said, I love Mac Brown. I think he's the better coach in this matchup. So take UNC to win. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, 31. 31-27. Give me North Carolina. So I think Virginia Tech covers, but but North Carolina wins. I, I think it'll be close. And then th- this game is is circled for me, partially because one of my my good friends is a Tennessee fan. So we got number fourteen Tennessee playing at number four Georgia. Georgia is an eleven and a half point favorite. And yeah, I don't think this game's going to be close. To put it bluntly, so as I was saying, my my good friend Benton. Huge Tennessee guy, like, and he's just trying to tell me how he thinks Tennessee has a shot, how Tennessee can beat Georgia, and how you know how good Tennessee is, and it's just like, man, stop talking. <laughs> it's like, no, there's no way Tennessee's beating Georgia. Okay, so Georgia has the best defense in the country when you look at depth and talent. Like, they're they are absolutely loaded on the defensive side of the football. Okay, 
and then hopefully I say his name right, Garantano, the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Volunteers, so inconsistent, he's not very accurate, and that Georgia defense is going to eat him alive. Okay, Kirby Smite, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be bad. Like I think he's gonna throw at least two interceptions. I think Georgia's defense is just gonna absolutely dominate this football game. So and here's the thing, like like Ben they Georgia's found found their starting quarterback, you know, Bennett. He's good, and if things go bad, they can throw JT Daniels in there, who I still think is going to end up starting at some point. You know, Bennett will have a bad game, and they'll they'll throw JT Daniels in there just because I think he's more talented. So, and that and they're they're, they're going to run the football like they they run the football really well, and look when you when you can control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, you're probably going to win, and that's exactly what George is going to do this game, right? So. With that being said, you know I know Tennessee's offensive line is good, but I don't think it's going to matter. Like Georgia's, Georgia has the best defense in the country. I don't think this one's really going to be close. Give me Georgia, thirty-four to thirteen. I, like I said, this game, this game's not going to be close. I, I like, I like Georgia by, by twenty-one. So obviously, I don't think it's going to be close. So next, maybe I want to say it's the most intriguing game of the week. But I don't know if it is. Number seven, Miami, taking on number one, Clemson, right? And it's like, oh, top ten matchup. This game's going to be close. And then Vegas is like, we like Clemson by 14. (laughs) Clemson's a 14-point favorite over the number seven ranked team in the country. I'm going to say it one more time. Clemson, 14-point favorite, two-touchdown favorite over the number seven ranked team in the country. That's insane. I guess how good this Clemson team is, right? You know, Dabo Sweeney said at the start of the year, this may be the most talents he's ever had, right? And they're they're going to be so good. Hopefully, I don't know if Trevor Lawrence plays all four quarters. I don't think he's played all four quarters this year. I really hope it happens. I don't think it will. <laughs> I like Clemson by a lot. You know, Miami's good. Derek King, Derek King is really good. I love watching him play. Really wish he chose in Arkansas, but that's okay. And... They're they're just really good. Both sides of the ball. You know, they got playmakers on the outside on offense. The running the running back is so good. Clemson is just they're they're a handful, man. And I don't think Miami has what it takes to beat them. There's probably three teams that could beat Clemson. They all three play in the SEC that we've seen. Obviously, you know, we'll watch Ohio State play. We'll kind of see how they look and everything like that. So but yeah, like there's right now teams that have played there's only three teams that i think can even compete with clemson it's alabama florida and georgia and yeah that's that's it so it's there clemson's probably the best team in the country then again they haven't really played anybody so hopefully you know this will be a good test a good gauge for us to kind of tell how good they really are so i I like clemson by a lot give me clemson let's go do i think they 50 piece them i don't think they 50 piece them yeah, so give me Clemson. Let's go 48, 48-28. Clemson wins. I think they won by 20. I don't think it's close. Because like I said, like Clemson's just they're the best team in the country, and you can't really change my mind on that. So now here's, here's, here's the last game. I wasn't going to talk about this game. But I woke up this morning feeling good, feeling kind of bold. And you'll you'll be able to tell how bold I was feeling later when when I, when I list my NFL top ten, and you know I I had to do it, 
right? I just I had to do it. I was I was talking to my buddy Benton last night, and things just things just weren't going great. You know, he was he he was trying to come at me, talking about you know Arkansas, and I was just kind of like, you know, you're right. Like I don't think Arkansas beats Georgia. This, this is what I was. Excuse me, I don't think Arkansas beats Auburn. Like th- these were my thoughts last night. And then I woke up this morning, and I was like, you know what, no. This is my upset of the week. Auburn's a 14-point favorite. Don't care. <laughs> I'm going to take Arkansas. You know, They were 16.5-point underdogs last week, and they won. I think they win this week. So this this is my upset of the week. So I just – Arkansas has momentum. Arkansas's got a chip on their shoulder because they're playing Chad Morris. Okay, and Arkansas doesn't like Chad Morris for obvious reasons, right? He came in, really messed up the program, wasn't a very good coach. Guys didn't like him. And so I'm I'm going to take Arkansas. So Arkansas has one of the – it seems like they have one of the best defensive coordinators in the country in Barry Odom. You know who's done a really good job these first two weeks against Georgia and against the air raid of Mississippi State, holding them to 14 points. So I think defensively they'll be fine, right? And you know when you when you take the fact that Arkansas has Barry Odom and you pair it with the fact that Auburn has handed their offense over to the great offensive coordinator Chad Morris, I think it's safe to say Arkansas should have a should do a good job defensively, right? You know at the same time though, you know Seth Williams. Receiver for Auburn's really good. I don't know how Arkansas matches up with him. Bo Nix isn't he's not great. Like he's not I don't know if he's good, I'll be honest. Like he's very inconsistent. It's his second year as well, so it's it's not like he's like Spencer Rattler where they're just kind of throwing him throwing him in there after a COVID year. Like it's his second year running the offense. You know, he should be better than what he is. So then again, you know, he had, he played Georgia last week, which is a tall task, but still, like, he should be better than what he is. You know, he shouldn't miss wide-open receivers. But anyway, so I, I think Arkansas's defense plays fine. I just – the only thing is I don't know how, how Arkansas's offense is going to look. Because Auburn's defense is usually pretty good. You know, Gus Malzahn recruits that side of the ball better than what, better than what we give him credit for, right? So – like, the offense for Arkansas looked better last week against Mississippi State than it did against Georgia, and that's for obvious reasons, right? Because they played Mississippi State instead of Georgia, you know, and they moved the ball, and they, they showed some some bright spots. You know, I mean, in all seriousness, you know, they, they moved the ball pretty consistently. They just couldn't finish some drives. You know, my, my question is, can they run the football? All right, because, you know, Felipe Franks played really well. You know, 20 for 28, you know, threw for like 220 yards. So I mean, there was two touchdowns, no picks, and so like that's like they they threw the ball fine. I think that they they threw the ball better than what the Arkansas fans think. So I just I don't know if they I don't know if they're gonna be able to run the football very well, right? You know, they ran the ball thirty seven times for a total of sixty three yards. Like that's not very that's bad. Like that is really bad. You know that Mississippi State front is good. Doubt that they're as good as Auburn's front. So that's the question: Can Arkansas run the football? If Arkansas can run the football. Yeah, give me Arkansas. But if they can't, it's going to be a dogfight, very similar to, to the Mississippi State game. I do think Arkansas forces a couple more turnovers just because Bo Nix isn't very accurate, and Barry Odom's a really good defensive coordinator. So with that being said, I'm, I'm going to take Arkansas. 
And as you know, this, this is my upset of the week, you know, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. But that's okay. It's it's not supposed to. It's the upset of the week, right? So give me Arkansas. I think they beat Auburn. Ooh, what, what? I got to come up with a score now. So give me Arkansas. Let's go Arkansas 24. No, I, I, I think they score more. I think that the offense looks better this week, you know, because, you know, it's their third game. Fourth, third game. Yeah, third game. You know, it's their third game in the system. I think Arkansas wins. Let's go. Let's go 31-20. Yeah, Arkansas wins by double digits. 31-20. Felipe Franks has a big game. Bo Nix does not. Arkansas defense looks really good. Yeah, so which, which if Arkansas wins this game, they'll be ranked, which will be crazy. You know, to go from what they were doing last year to what they were doing this year. And, you know, they definitely made the right hire, hiring Sam Pittman. You know, maybe I was wrong on that. I really wanted Lane Kiffin. I really wanted Lane Kiffin. But, you know, it looks like, you know, the Sam Pittman thing is going to work. Really good offensive coordinator in Kendall Bryles. Really good defensive coordinator in Barry Odom. So we'll see how long we can keep Barry Odom around for. You know, he keeps doing what he did against Mississippi State. Some team will come in and they'll they'll snatch him up. So, yeah, ho- hopefully the offense looks better for Arkansas this week. That's really the that's the main thing that I'm watching. You know that, and my girlfriend's a huge Auburn fan, so I really need the Hogs to win. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm picking them. But anyway, we're gonna take a short break before we come back and talk about the NFL. This has been Overtime Takes on KSWH LP 102.5 FM, The Pulse here in Arkadelphia. And we're back with more overtime takes on KSWH LP 102.5 FM, The Pulse here in Arkadelphia. Moving on to the NFL. If you've been listening to my show for a while, you know how much I love my NFL. Right? Like I lo- love the NFL. Super entertaining. It's the reason why it's got some of the highest ratings. It has the highest ratings in sports. You know, it's, it's America's game through and through. So, yeah, I'm excited. So, Got, got to kick it off with the news that we got on Monday. Bill O'Brien has been fired from the Houston Texans as both the GM and as the head coach, which is surprising because I didn't think he'd be the first one fired. thought for sure it'd be Adam Gase, but that's okay. So, I mean, he's – look, he's a good coach. Like, let's let's not get it twisted here. Like, Bill O'Brien can coach – Okay, he's such a good coach that he can overcome his his own mistakes as a GM and win the division. <laughs> okay, like he's definitely been the best of the the Belichick tree so far. And he's really the only one who's been good. You know, I think you know Brian Flores down in Miami looks like he's gonna be he's gonna be pretty good, but you know Bill O'Brien has definitely been the best of the the Bill Belichick disciples. So. He's only had one one losing season with the Texans, and that was the year Deshaun Watson tore his ACL. They went like four and twelve, but every other year, you know, they they've had you know a winning record, right? So he he won a division with Brock Osweiler as his quarterback, who is I think he's out of the league. If he's not, he's a backup somewhere. And he won another division with Brian Hoyer as his starting quarterback. Who is not very good? Like it's just, he's a backup. Like that's what he is. So I, I think he'll find another job as a head coach somewhere. You know he's you know like maybe you know it's the Jets. You know with Sam Darnold. Maybe it's Atlanta. I I wouldn't mind seeing him in Atlanta with you know the the offensive firepower that they have there. 
maybe it's Detroit. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing him there either. You know, you give him a guy like like Matt Stafford, you know, he could definitely do some things offensively. So I just think that wherever he goes as a coach, he'll be fine as long as they don't make him the GM as well. Like, that's kind of the problem with him, you know. And there's just – yeah, he's just not a very good GM. That was kind of his downfall. He gets rid of DeAndre Hopkins, trades away all their picks. So I I love the take that (laughs) – so I was listening to – this another show the other day and he made the guy who hosted made this point he's like who's another belichick disciple who could need an offensive coordinator next year it's brian flores where did bill o'brien trade his first and second round picks for this next year brian flores so it'd be i think it'd be so funny if brian flores hired bill o'brien as his as his offensive coordinator We've, we 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 come to find out Bill O'Brien has just been playing the long game the entire time. He goes to Miami, gets his picks back, gets a quarterback in Tua and a, some decent offensive weapons and guys like Miles Gaskin and DeAndre Parker. DeAndre Parker's a beast, by the way. If you don't know who that is, he's the number one receiver in Miami. Duke can really play. That's outside the point. So I think that'd be great if he ended up as the offensive coordinator at Miami and he'd just been playing the long game the whole time. <laughs> so with that... We're going to get into quite possibly my my favorite segment of this show. So we're, we're going to get into our top 10 NFL teams. I, I love doing this every week. It's maybe, like I said, it's maybe my, my favorite segment to do. So without further ado, let's get into it, right? So I, I ended up doing 11 teams this week just because, you know, there's so many good teams in the NFL this year, and this COVID thing is just... It's it's made it really really interesting, right? So, number eleven, I have the Titans. Like Jonathan, why are they in your top ten? Like they're undefeated. They look really good. They are undefeated, and they do look really good. But I just don't like Ryan Tannehill. But I, I do like Ryan Tannehill. That's a lie. I just I don't know. I, I think their defense is average. Quarterback play is average. Whereas I think these teams in front of them are just they do something great, or or they do something better than Tennessee, if that makes sense. So, number 10, I have the Browns. I think they run the football better than Tennessee does. Their offensive line has been really good this year. So, I I like the Browns at 10. The defense has been good. Miles Garrett, five sacks this year through four games. Three of those sacks have been strip sacks, and he's recovered two of them himself. So, yeah, Miles Garrett having a really good year. You know, and like Tennessee, they don't have a pass rusher like Miles Garrett. You know, Derrick Henry's good. They run the football well, but they don't run the ball for 300 yards against the Cowboys like the Browns did. (laughs) They don't have playmakers on the outside like Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, even though A.J. Brown's good. He's still young. So I don't really trust him as much as I trust, you know, Jarvis Landry and and guys like that. So, yeah, so that's why I have the Browns in front of the Titans. You know, if you want to flip them, that's fine. You can do that. I don't really care. Yeah, so number nine, I was going to put them at 10, but they actually play the Browns this week, and I think they win, so that's why I put them at nine. Colts at number nine. You know, like Jonathan, like, why the Colts? Like, let's be honest, you probably haven't watched the Colts play this year, and that's okay, because I don't blame you. Because coming into this year, I had no desire to watch the Colts play football. You know, they got Old Man Rivers at the helm. I just don't know how good he's, you know, there's questions about him, you know, and his age, and can he push the ball downfield, and... 
how's his decision making because he threw a lot of picks last year and, and like all very very fair questions but here's the thing with Indianapolis they may have the best defense in the league like their front four is good their front seven you know they got Darius Leonard who's a beast golly that guy's so good you know the back end is really good you know they they play really great defense so as long as Philip Rivers doesn't turn the ball over the Colts are probably going to win just because of how great of a defense how great of a defense that they have and how great of a defense that they play Right, so that's why I like Indianapolis. They run the ball well, you know. They um, they drafted the kid out of Wisconsin, Jonathan something. The dude's really good. Got him in the second round. He's looked good this year. So, you know, if you know Philip Rivers can just play well, not turn the football over, you know, they they're gonna win a lot of games. They they may end up winning that division. You know, that's what I predicted to start the year, and I I I, I still I still like that pick despite how good Tennessee looks. Obviously, I like Indianapolis more than I like Tennessee just because of that defense. So, yeah, give me the uh, the, the Colts at at nine. Number eight, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are also undefeated, 3-0. They're really good. They are so good. Maybe the best front seven in the league. They're just – they're so much fun to watch. You know, like I've said it before. They just remind me of the old school Steelers that I grew up with, you know. Like they, they're just really good. You know, they really rough, tough defense, really good linebackers, a pass rush, and then one special guy on the back end, and, and Mika Fitzpatrick, right? And like that's, you know, being young growing up, like that's what they were, right? You know, they had James Harrison as a linebacker, and they had a good pass rush, and then they had Troy, Troy Polamalu on the back end. You know, they're one elite guy, but that's just kind of what they look like for me. You know, these these old, you know, 2010-ish Steelers, you know, which is nice. You know, it's nice to kind of get, have that, like, I guess nostalgia would be the word, you know, where it's like, wow, they really remind me, you know, of these these old school Pittsburgh Steelers. So, once again, Steelers at eight. Next, at seven, we've got the Rams. So, this is probably going to surprise people because they didn't look great against the Giants. But I just think it's one of those things where it's like, oh, we're playing the Giants, like, we don't really want to be here kind of thing because the Giants aren't very good. And they, they kind of got away from their identity this last week. They didn't run the ball as much. They kind of they put the ball in Goff's hands more, which is not good. You know, they run the football more than anybody else in the league, which is crazy. You know, you wouldn't really expect that. I think when we think of Sean McVay and the Rams, we think of a team that likes to spread it out and throw the football. And we're right on one of those two fronts. You know, um, Sean McVay lo- loves to spread it out. You know, they, they disguise their run packages really well. It's like when you watch them on the football, there's like th- three receivers on the field, and then they're turning around and they're handing it off, right, which is good. Because, like, you know, if you pack it, in, pack it in and you run the football, that brings more guys down into the box and things like that, whereas, you know, you spread it out, you got three or four wide receivers out there, and then you're handing it off. You're running it against six-man fronts when the defense is in a nickel package as opposed to when, you know, the defense has eight guys in the box, right, which is – Important to know, like it, it really changes, you know, the way that you look at them and the way that they run their offense. You know, Sean McVay's really figured it out, and I hate, I hate saying that because you know he's never had a losing season as a coach. You know, like the work he's ever done is nine and seven, which is really impressive. You know, like we're like, oh, they had a bad year last year. No, they went nine and seven and barely missed the playoffs. They just play in a tough division, and yes, yeah, so they look really good. I really like them. You know, they may end up winning that, winning that division because my. My 49ers are are all banked up, even though you know they they're two and two. They're kind of holding on right now, so 
Yeah, so that, that division is so much fun to watch. That division is just, oh, it's awesome. So much fun to watch. Speaking of that division, number six on my on the on the top ten list, Seattle Seahawks. And I just they're good. And by that, that's exactly what I mean. They're good. They're not great. The defense needs a pass rush. It has absolutely no pass rush whatsoever. Right? You know, Russell Wilson is carrying them, you know, and that's that's what he should be doing. You know, they're letting Russ cook. He's he's not my favorite for MVP, but he's Definitely, you know, in the lead for it right now, I would say. I don't think he wins it. I think it's going to be somebody else who I'll get to later. And, yeah, like they're just – they're really good. You know, uh, DK Metcalf is a hit. You know, he's – I think he he leads the league in receiving yards when he's covered one-on-one, which, you know, he's like 6'4", you know, runs like a deer and, and can go up and get the ball with really anybody. So I really like the Seahawks' offense. It's just I just don't like their defense at all. I think their defense is bad, just to put it simply. And, you know, Jamal Adams was a nice pickup. They still have Wagner. But, I mean, outside of those two guys, the defense takes a major, major drop-off from those two guys. And, you know, the defensive line is just bad. I don't think you can win. You can't win the Super Bowl if you have no pass rush. I don't care how good your, your quarterback is. Right, because like that's that's the name of the game, right? Keep your quarterback clean, and make the other team's quarterback uncomfortable. And the Seahawks can't do that with their front four. So that's kind of the hole for them. You know, I think that they really need to go and find a guy, make a trade at the deadline to get someone who can rush the passer. You know, and a lot of people are like, well, you know, if they just you know resigned Jadavion Clowney, they wouldn't have that problem. Yeah, they would. You know, Jadavion Clowney was very underwhelming last year. He hadn't been great in Tennessee either, so I really don't know what you want. But, yeah, so that's kind of what I would do. I think that they they need to go and sign a guy like Jadavion Clowney to really kind of elevate them. So, yeah. So Seahawks, excuse me, not sign a guy like Jadavion Clowney. Go, Go sign a pass rusher or trade for one, right? Probably trade for one because I don't think you're going to find any elite pass rushers out there on the on the open market right now. So, yeah. With that being said, we're moving into the top five. Number five, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They've looked better and better every week. And yeah, I, I just don't know why you wouldn't like them. Like they're they're good, right? So, I I really like them. You know, Tom Brady probably had his best week last week throwing for, you know, five touchdowns. He he did throw another pick six. Which that's just kind of like what he does now. It's really weird, you know, just thinking about him. Like he threw another pick six, and it's just, you know, a guy who makes really good decisions isn't making good decisions, which really kind of sucks for them. But still, you know, he he threw for five touchdowns. You know, he's done a really good job, kind of for them this year, and he's doing a good job. I think of spreading the ball around to different guys, and I think that's part of the reason why he's throwing so many picks. Is it's just like. I want to get Godwin the ball. I want to get O.J. Howard the ball. I want to get Mike Evans the ball. I want to get Leonard Fournette the ball. I want to get this guy the ball. And, you know, they just have so many weapons that I think he's trying to spread it out a little bit too much. So I think that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, these guys aren't going to care if they win or they shouldn't care how many touches they get if they win. So I think, you know, maybe he needs to be a little bit more selfish, so to speak, in terms of how much, you know, he he distributes the ball. Because, like, let's be honest. 
the two best weapons on that offense are Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, you know, and the number four receiver shouldn't have as many receptions as Mike Evans and Chris Godwin should. It's just kind of that simple. And so, you know, be a little bit more selfish. Throw the ball to Mike Evans more. Throw the ball to, throw the ball to Chris Godwin more because those two guys are elite, elite receivers. And, yeah, so that the defense, I've been on this from the jump. Like This is where, where Jonathan was right, okay? The, the Tampa Bay Rays... Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, my gosh. Tampa Bay Buccaneers can play some defense. Simple as that. You know, I really like their defense. Their defense was good last year. But, you know, if you look at the stats, you're like, I know they weren't. Well, it's because Jameis Winston turned the ball over 30-plus times. So, yeah, when you keep that in mind, it's like, oh, never mind. Yeah, this this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense was really good. So, anyway, with that being said, moving on to number four. These are the four teams that I think can win it all. And number four... This one can be kind of controversial, but that's okay. Number four, the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills are good enough to win the Super Bowl. Simple as that. Right? And they're they're really good. I really like the Buffalo Bills. One of the best defenses in the league. You know, their their coach is great. Uh, their coach is awesome. Right, he's the Kyle Shanahan of young defensive coaches. I think that's kind of the best way to kind of describe him. You know, and they've done a great job with Josh Allen. Josh Allen is real. Like completing over seventy percent of his passes, you know, second in the league in passing yards behind Dak. He's just he's so good. You know, he's still gun he's still kinda of got that, that gunslinger thing going. You know, if you watched him play on Sunday, you you see the ball that he throws to, to Stefan Diggs like sixty yards down the field. That he throws on a rope, and then you know Stephon Diggs makes a great play, and he goes up and he catches it, and then you know you got you know the backhand flip like eleven yards downfield to to Stephon Diggs, which is just that play was just crazy. Like I just like you see him throw it, and it's like no, no, no. It's like oh yeah. <laughs> so I really like him. You know he's been doing his thing this year without a doubt. So he's really he's been so impressive that they can run the football. They're they're really good, you know. I don't think they're getting quite the respect that they deserve because I think people are still kind of reserved on Josh Allen and and rightfully so. But at the same time, like I've seen him do it four weeks in a row now, where he's played really well. So I mean, he's he's looked really good this year, and yeah, I just don't really know why you wouldn't like him. I think that you know their defense is better than Tampa Bay's. Josh Allen looks better than Tom Brady just because he can push it down the field better. So that's kind of why I've got I've got them at four and not the Buccaneers. And then I, I just noticed that I left, you know, the Patriots out and I still I just don't think their offense is explosive enough. They remind me a lot of the Browns with a better defense, but nowhere near as many weapons on the offensive side of the ball. So that's why New England's not in. I'm probably gonna get questions about that, but yeah. New England's not in because of that. I just don't think they have the weapons on the outside to be as good as these teams here. I don't think their defensive personnel is as good as some of these other teams. So, yeah, I got to clear that up before people are like, Jonathan, you didn't include the New England Patriots. Well, that's why I didn't. So, yeah. So we're getting into our top three here. Number three, the Baltimore Ravens still. Yeah, like, they're really good. You know, we talked about this last week. You know, don't overreact to the Kansas City loss. A lot of people are going to lose to Kansas City. And, you know, Baltimore is going to lose to Kansas City and then go on to beat almost everybody else that they play. You know, they're going to go 13-3, and 14-2. You know, they're, they're that good. 
You know, Lamar Jackson looked good this last week against the Bengals. No, excuse me. They play the Bengals this week. He looks good last week against the Redskins. Not the Redskins, the Washington football team. I got to quit calling them that because they're the Washington football team. So you know, he, he, he looked good against, you know, the Washington football team as we knew he would. You know, the defense is still really good. And, yeah, so, like, the, the Ravens are – they're they're legit. I like – they're really good. You know, like, they're – you know, like, there's a reason why, you know, they were Super Bowl favorites coming into the season. You know, they may still be the Super Bowl favorites. It's probably the Chiefs at this point, but still, you know, like, the Ravens just look – they look really good. They're going to be fine. They're going to win their division. Speaking of just, that division is tough this year. Right? You know, the Ravens are 3-1. and one, Steelers are 3-0. and oh, The Browns are 3-1. and one, And then, you know, the Bengals – you know they they don't have the results of these other three teams, but you know they they fight, they scratch, they play hard for Zach Taylor. You know Joe Burrow plays really well, and so he's um yeah he's he's good. So I'm that whole division is just it's really good. The the AFC North it's it, it may be the best division in football. You know because you know the NFC West with how bang, banged up the Forty ers are, and I don't think you know the. The Cardinals won, you know, their their first couple of games, and it's like, oh yeah, 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 you know, Kyler, Kyler and the Cardinals here they come, and then they've been really underwhelming since then. So the the AFC North just might be the best division in the NFL this year, which I'm fine with. You know, it's, you know, it was for a, not for a long time, but you know, when Andy Dalton was you know playing well in Cincinnati, and the Steelers were really good, and the Ravens were formidable, they may have been the best division then too. So, yeah, they're. That's the best division in football, I think. You can't. You could probably change. You might be able to change my mind on that one, but I'm pretty confident in saying that. So, number two, this is where we get a little controversial, to say the least. Kansas City Chiefs are no longer the best team in football. They are the number two best team in football. You know, like Jonathan, why? Like. You know, they're still the defending champs. They're still undefeated. They handled, you know, the Patriots and yada, yada, yada. And they, 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 they handled the Patriots, you know, they, but they didn't look great. You know, they looked good. I didn't think they looked great. You know, Patrick Mahomes didn't play his best game, which, you know, we can't expect his best every week. You know, if we expect guys to play at their best every week, then that wouldn't really be fair. And so he had a down week against a really good secondary the defense looked good, but that's because, you know, they didn't have Cam Newton. You know, if Cam Newton plays in that game, they probably win just because they're the Patriots, and Cam Newton's a big deal, and Cam Newton's really good. And so I just – I don't know. I just – I don't – this team that I have at one, I think that they're better than the Chiefs, mainly because of defense and things like that. You know, because, like, when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs defense, you know – Chris Jones is a really good defensive tackle. Tyron Matthews is really good on the back end. But everything after that is just average at best. You know, and he was well, Jonathan, you said the same thing about Seattle. I did. But when one of, I think one of your two best players on your defense has to be on the defensive line, and that's exactly what the Chiefs have. You know, they've got Chris Jones, who's really good at what he does, right? And so I just, I like, I like them more because of that. And obviously, you know, they have Patrick Mahomes, who's, and when it's all said and done, we may regard him as the greatest quarterback ever, which wouldn't be a surprise, right? And, you know, they're pro- they're the leading Super Bowl favorites right now for some people, not for me. I, I do think that they're the AFC representative. They are the best team in the AFC. They're not the best team in football. They're just not. And, 
you know, I know they've got Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins has played well this year, and Travis Kelsey's has played really well this year, and so on and so forth. And they've got all these weapons on offense. And they have Andy Reid, and they have you know all these guys. But there's just there's this one team who's just st- stuck out to me a little bit more. And so, with that being said, the best team in the NFL so far this year, a quarter of the way through the season, is the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers are the best team in football. Okay, Aaron Rodgers is my MVP at this point. Okay, he is on a mission to be like Jordan Love. Come on now, y'all don't have to go do that. And you know, I feel like he feels he took this. You know, he, he took it personally <laughs> to take you know Michael Jordan saying, and because of that, he's really come out on a mission. He's looked really good. He's out here throwing touchdowns to guys we've never heard of with no Devontae Adams or or Lazard this last week. And it's like, well, Jonathan, he he played against the Falcons. He did, but you know, if, have you watched them play every single week? Like, he's looked really good every game that they've played. Let me pull up their their, their schedule here. Because he, he's looked really good in every game that they've played. And, you know, the defense looks good. They've got two guys who can get after the passer. And so, yeah, so they he looked great. He looked great against the Vikings when they put up 43. Looked great against the Lions when they put up 42. Looked great against the Saints where they put up 37. And then this was their lowest scoring game of the year, and they scored 30. Right? And I think, I believe that right now the NFL average of offensive scoring per game is only like 24. Okay, so the offense looks really good. And these are, in two of these games, they haven't had their best receiver in Devontae Adams. Right? So the offense is good. They get after the passer like nobody will. Yeah, like like nobody else. Like they may have the best pass rush in the league outside of, you know, the Steelers and Indianapolis. So like they're they're better than than the Chiefs right now. You know, this is one of the things where, you know, if you have the Chiefs at number one, I'm not gonna be like, Oh, you're wrong. Because obviously, you know, they are undefeated. They are the defending champs. But I just I like the Packers more. The pass rush is better. They look solid on the back end of their defense as well. The linebackers are okay, but let's be honest. That's probably the least important group of players on a defense. Like just being honest, because it's a pass-first league, and you, I think you need a good secondary and, and a good pass rush if you want to compete, and that's exactly what the Packers have, right? So, yeah, with that being said, Green Bay Packers, number one, those are your top ten. Just to run you through it again real quick, number 11, Titans, 10 Browns, 9 Colts, 8 Steelers, 7 Rams, 6 Seahawks, 5 Buccaneers, 4 Bills, 3 Ravens, 2 Chiefs, and then finally, at number one, the Green Bay Packers. So, that being said, we're going to take another short break, and then we will come back, and we'll talk a little bit of baseball before we wrap it up. You know, the the division series are going on right now. They've been really entertaining so far. Um, the Rays and the Yankees played game two last night. Astros and A's played game two yesterday. And, yeah, so baseball's going on, football's going on, basketball's almost over. But, you know, it's going really good. So, once again, you're listening to Overtime Takes on KSWH LP 102.5 FM, The Pulse, here in Arkadelphia. I'll see you all back here in about one minute to talk about a little bit of baseball. And we're back with more Overtime Takes here on KSWH LP 102.5 FM, The Pulse, here in Arkadelphia. Last little bit right here, we're going to talk a little bit of baseball. So, my wish coming in to this postseason was to have – an Astros-Yankees ALCS, and then an Astros-Dodgers World Series. Because, I'm going to be honest, Astros are probably my favorite team in the AL. They just, they have been, they've got my favorite player, Jose Altuve. 
I love Carlos Correa. And like, well, Jonathan, they cheated. Well, everybody cheats. Okay, like, you're going to pull this cheated card. But here's the thing. Like, we didn't really care when the Patriots cheated. So why are we caring about when the Astros cheat? Like, I mean, come on. Like, seriously, like, we just need a little bit of some consistency there. And everybody's cheating. Like, let's be honest. They are, okay. You know, the the Red Sox, you know, they had their scandal as well. They they talked about the Yankees possibly having done the same thing, so on and so forth. So, like, let's, let's back off of the Astros are cheating thing. Like, I mean, they're not now, and they're up 2-0 on the A's. So... Astros look good. They're probably going to play in the ALCS. I think it's going to be awesome. And, you know, the Rays and Yankees are tied 1-1. You know, the Rays looked good last night. You know, Glasnow threw, you know, he had 10 Ks. And, you know, they they looked good. You know, the the Yankees threatened there at the end. But, you know, the Rays were were able to pull it out. So that series is now tied 1-1. Braves beat the Marlins yesterday. And I just, I I want to pull for the Marlins. I do because I love the underdog. But, Ronald Acuna leads the game off with an absolute moonshot homer and bat flips like he should do. Like, like you go deep, like you hit a 97-mile-an-hour 90, fastball, 450 feet. You should If you hit it over the fence in general, I don't care if you hit it 325 feet and it barely creeps out, you should be allowed to bat flip because it's, it's the hardest thing to do in sports. Okay, And if you're a pitcher and you strike a batter out, you should be able to strut off the mound. Like You should be allowed to do that and nobody get upset because... Part of the reason why, like, like people love soccer is because we, we see their their celebrations at the end. We're like, oh, yeah, that's cool, or, oh, yeah, that's funny. Like, let's bring that into baseball, please, because I think it's going to attract more people to the game. And anyway, the Marlins wind up hitting Acuna in his next at-bat. Like, don't do that. It's like that's so – like, you're in the playoffs. You don't do that in the playoffs, first of all. You know, you do it next year during the regular season if, if you're going to do it. But anyway, yeah, so Marlins, I hope – you get swept because you're not embracing the new way that we're playing baseball. Just saying. So, yeah. And then the other series going on, the Dodgers beat the Padres pretty handily last night. I believe the final ended up being like 5-1. to one. It wasn't really close. And, yeah. So, the Dodgers still look like the best team in the NL. The Yankees still look like the best team in the AL. So, it's probably going to be a Dodgers-Yankees World Series, which is, I'm fine with that. You know, that's kind of – I think that's what we all really want to see because those are the two best teams. And I want to see this Dodgers pitching staff try to combat against this great lineup that the Yankees have, you know. And so that's that's kind of what I'm hoping for. No, it's not. I'm, I, I want the Astros to win the World Series just because I think Twitter would be a, a fantastic place full of angry, angry people if the Astros won the World Series. That's kind of what I want. You know, it's fun seeing people get upset over sports, especially baseball. So, because, you know, you got all the old heads who get upset about everything when it comes to baseball. So, that's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you want to hear more from me, I do a podcast on Fridays called Overtime Takes. You can find it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And, yeah, so this has been Overtime Takes on KSWH LP 102.5 FM, The Pulse here in Arkadelphia.